electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Sharon Epperson, CNBC's Senior Personal Finance Correspondent. On this podcast, you'll hear in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, a conversation with Roger Ferguson, President and CEO of TIAA. He joined me at CNBC's Inclusion in Action event on March 18, 2021. As one of only a handful of black CEOs in the Fortune 500, Ferguson shared his unique perspective on how companies can diversify their workforce, increase opportunities for employees and customers, and promote financial literacy to make capitalism more inclusive. Here's our conversation. When you think about inclusive capitalism, Roger, what does that mean to you? How do you sure that business leaders, government leaders, civic, academic leaders are all included in trying to make a more equitable society? Well, thanks, Sharon. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Um, And so the question of what I think of when I think of inclusive capitalism is that I think of two things. One is the economic pie itself grows. And secondly, that the, um, the benefits of that economic pie are spread relatively uh, much more inclusively across society. So let me give you an example with some statistics. Um, um, The number of people, percentage of the population that uh, is in the middle part of the income distribution uh, has declined gradually over the last 40 years from about 60% of our population, uh, the adults live in middle income houses to about 50%. Importantly, uh, the share of the income that that group gets, that middle income group gets has also declined but from about 60% to about 40%. Uh, and so that suggests that uh, you know, capitalism itself, while the society has gotten bigger, the economy has gotten bigger, uh, the benefits uh, are not spread uh, evenly uh, or equitably across society. So when I think of inclusive capitalism, I think of a society that is both benefiting, uh, but also has a much more equitable distribution of the benefits. Excellent. When, you're, when you are thinking about TIAA, and um, what you've done in your tenure there, growing assets under management from about $435 billion to $1.2 trillion. How have you ensured or tried to ensure a more inclusive environment for your clients and for your workforce? Oh, thanks for asking. So uh, with respect to our workforce, uh, we have uh, been very focused on uh, inclusion, diversity, and equity uh, for sure. It starts with our hiring practices, where we uh, want to make sure we see diverse slates of individuals you know, across the organization um, uh, at all levels when it comes to the application pool. We've also made sure to uh, increase the diversity on the hiring uh, panels so that uh, individuals, when they come in, are looking at uh, a full panoply of individuals in their interviewing process that are also quite diverse. We think that will lead to better outcomes. We've also focused in on uh, training in the organization. Uh, We have a training process called Journey to Inclusion, uh, where we think about uh, how we make sure that all of our managers understand what it is to lead diverse and inclusive teams. 
Uh, and then we have a, a full range of employee resource groups. We call them business resource groups so that all voices can be heard you know, at the table. And what we found, uh, particularly this year and last year, we've gone through you know, dramatic social upheaval is the fact that we have been very, very focused internally on inclusion, diversity, and equity has paid rewards. We have seen a, a very large increase in the engagement of our populations, of our 16 to 17,000 employees. And so you're running a diverse and inclusive organization as best we can, we think has been beneficial for everybody. When I think about what we do you know, externally for our client base, um, our participants, as we call them, First and foremost is really the effort to uh, to make sure we have you know good performance for them uh, when it comes to returns, uh, and so we see that uh, our mutual funds, for example, uh, are always uh, among the best in terms of, of, of return. Um, Barron's recently published its uh, uh, profile of the best mutual fund complexes. We were number uh, 19, I think, for for last year, but more importantly. For the last 10 years, we ranked uh, number nine. And so we focus in on trying to get the best returns that we possibly can. And then obviously, uh, we bring to our institutional clients our learnings, our knowledge on, on diversity and inclusion to, to help them benefit from what we know as well. Uh, and so those are just some of the things that we attempt to do. That is a lot. And, and when, when, you, when you're talking about your participants, how important is financial education and what in particular, has TIA done to really advance financial education to make a more inclusive group of participants for your company? Thanks for asking that question. So financial literacy uh, is incredibly important for everybody in America. Um, We know that those who are more financially literate tend to have fewer problems with debt. They know that they tend to save more. Uh, They understand the importance of of more investments uh, and and a, a diversified portfolio. Uh, what we've been doing is trying to use uh, both modern techniques and other techniques uh, to uh, help people become much more educated. For example, we have a, a website called FinSites um, that is really geared towards financial literacy and financial education. We also have been partnering with uh, Savvy. Um, our population, the folks that we serve, tend to be uh, in the higher ed not-for-profit sector, as you well know. Those individuals are often benefit from the possibility of government support or repayment of their or forgiveness of their student debt. Uh, but that process is pretty complicated. So we have uh, partnered with Savvy uh, to help uh, many of our participants take advantage of uh, the student debt repayment capabilities that are available for individuals in the not-for-profit sector. So those are just a couple of examples of uh, working hard to increase financial literacy among our population, the the, uh, participants that we serve in the higher ed and the not-for-profit sector more generally. When you were talking about making sure that you have a diverse slate of candidates, that hiring managers are um, told that they must do that within the company, um, how do you do that exactly? Is there a certain percentage or number of the candidates that are seen that need to be uh, from diverse groups? And how do you make sure that that happens? Well, we make sure that it happens because the panels are put together by our our HR colleagues, um, our, our people team, uh, as they're calling themselves, they do the recruiting and they know from top down uh, that they need to bring forward for the uh, business leaders who are doing the hiring uh, a diverse a diverse slate. We have an aspiration for our company to look as much like America as it possibly can. 
Uh, and so that will obviously drive you know, what the portfolios of individuals that come forward look like. Uh, but it, it really is uh, incumbent upon the people team, uh, our, our HR leaders, to make sure they bring forward the kinds of uh, diverse states that we're looking for. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. I'm sure you're aware of this McKinsey study from last May that looked at diversity in the workplace and specifically asked respondents who had diverse leaders at their company how inclusive, included they felt in the organization versus those who had non-diverse leaders. Those that had diverse leaders at the top felt, felt much more included. Those whose companies participated in inclusion-type activities or, or fostered that also felt more included. With you as a black CEO at this company, do your employee surveys show that employees feel more included than perhaps they did in the past? What are your employees telling you about the significance of having a diverse leader at the top? I think what our employees are telling us, we call them our associates, our associates are frankly telling us that um, they absolutely want to see a, a diverse leader at the top of the organization. That gives them uh, obviously, a sense that we are a diverse organization, but more importantly, I think, or as important, they want to, they want to see actions, uh, not not just you know, sort of one or two individuals. Uh, and so, when uh, we had the George Floyd murder last year, um, with the with the leadership of our inclusive and uh, and diversity team, we drove forward a, a program called Be the Change, uh, which included you know a book club reading a, a book. Uh, around racism in America called uh, Small Great Things with, by Judy Picot. She came to talk to us. We had a race against racism where we encouraged people to do a race, a walk, uh, some sort of activity, socially distanced as appropriate, but with, uh, with somebody else to talk about these topics. And as I said, uh, our most recent survey showed you know, quite a nice pickup in terms of uh, engagement. Importantly, to your point, uh, several uh, populations that may have... Uh, the underrepresented African-American women, for example, underrepresented in the workplace in general um, uh, and in society, as we know, have had uh, particular challenges during the pandemic. Uh, our our African-American women was among those that felt sort of most engaged in the organization. Uh, and so I think there is really you know, a direct correlation between not just having diversity in the leadership ranks, which we do, but also having a company that acts appropriately uh, around these challenging times and these topics, that seems to have uh, been one of the things that has driven us to have a, a greater sense of, of engagement and particularly uh, with uh, minorities, uh, underrepresented minorities and women. I am sure the black women at your organization, your associates are feeling extremely powerful at this moment as TIA makes history in having two black CEOs, one succeeding the other. The announcement that Tasunda Duckett from J.P. Morgan Chase will be the incoming CEO May 1st is something that is historic. It has not happened in the history of the Fortune 500. Um, what is the significance of having Tasunda Duckett in that role, and why is she the right person for the job? 
Well, the first thing to recognize is that Tashonda Duckett is a well-tested business leader from J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, she has led two of their businesses quite successfully, including most recently their very large and strategically important branch network. Uh, she is a, a, a quick study, and she knows how to manage at scale uh, businesses. So uh, the first thing to recognize is, is not what's so visible and obvious in terms of gender uh, and, and ethnicity, uh, but what's very, very important is that she actually is a, a superb uh, business leader. Then you add to that the other components that you've talked about in terms of gender uh, and race. And indeed, uh, we have made history here, um, having you know one black CEO succeeded by another, uh, having uh, the third ever African-American woman leading a Fortune uh, 100 company. Uh, and we also happen to be the only Fortune 100 companies that has had three African-American CEOs. Uh, the, my iconic predecessor, Cliff Warden, was the first African-American CEO in a Fortune 100 company. Um, and so there are many ways in which uh, Tashanda Duckett's uh, appointment is historic. But I also want to emphasize, you know, beyond what one can see in terms of history, she's the right leader in, uh, in large part because she's a superb business executive. And she also embodies, you know, who we are in terms of uh, inclusion, equity, and diversity. So I'm really excited to uh, have her be my successor, and I look forward to welcoming her uh, on May 1st. Excellent. Your board also, uh, of course, has a very significant role in um, this selection. And the fact that your board is 50% female, a number of underrepresented minorities on your board, how important is it to have that type of that type of composure or that uh, composition, I should say, at the table to make decisions like who the next CEO will be. Well, you're absolutely right. The board uh, selected Tashonda Duckett. I did not choose my own successor. Uh, and I think it's important. Uh, we know it's important to have diversity of view uh, on any board. Um, without diversities of views, including uh, gender, ethnicity, also experience, um, you, you risk having what's called groupthink uh, and, and perhaps not the best outcomes if, if everyone thinks exactly the same way. Um, I'm also struck by uh, the fact that there was a uh, McKinsey study, uh, another one that showed that companies that are very diverse uh, in the top quartile of diversity tend to outperform those in terms of profitability in the bottom quartile by I think around 35, 36%. And so while we talk about diversity uh, in the boardroom, and we're proud of it at our own company, uh, and talk about diversity in the workplace uh, as being the right thing to do, uh, Sharon, you should also recognize that it actually uh, is uh, economically a smart thing to do uh, from the standpoint of business. There are more and more studies that show diversity in the boardroom, diversity in the C-suite uh, lead to uh, better performance, uh, both in terms of profitability uh, stock market performance for public companies. We are not one of those, obviously. We're a private company, but there are many ways in which diversity uh, is both the right thing to do and a smart thing to do. That brings us to a question from one of our audience members who's asking about whether or not you support mandatory quota-based diversity and inclusion requirements, such as the one the NASDAQ is seeking to implement. And if you do not, what alternatives do, do you suggest to ensure that there's diversity and inclusion from the top down at large public companies? Well, I think the NASDAQ requirement has uh, triggered a very, very important conversation in America. Uh, if you tie it to what we know uh, about the risk of groupthink, as I said, and what we know about the economic and financial benefits of more diversity, I think we're 
you know, onto the right set of topics. At my own company at TIAA, uh, we have been using our power as a shareholder uh, to ask questions of uh, the nominate and gov committees on our boards, uh, the boards of the companies in which we're an investor, uh, about the diversity in the boardroom. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we went not to the top uh, largest companies, but to the medium-sized companies and, and pushed them for and engaged them on the question of uh, gender diversity uh, at the board table to very positive results. Uh, and we are also uh, actively having those similar conversations around race as well. Uh, we're probably going to be in a position where we'll use our voting power, the ability to vote for or against directors in a way that uh, enhances uh, the message that we do want to see diversity uh, at the board table. Uh, so regardless of uh, how the NASDAQ rules play out, I think a, an important uh, element of all of this is for institutional shareholders to use their votes uh, for and against directors, particularly NOM and Gov chairs or, or lead directors, uh, to drive home the message that we want to see more diversity in the boardroom. We think it's absolutely the right thing to do for moral reasons and also for economic reasons. We have another question from the audience. Um, this one comes from Howard Woolley at, um, and he is asking, what are your thoughts on strategies to get non-participants in our economy to feel included? to feel like a stakeholder in the success of the country versus being an outsider without a personal investment in making our society better? What are your thoughts? I think that's a really important uh, question um, because we have seen in our society that if individuals feel as though they're closed out uh, economically, they may feel closed out politically as well and may want to uh, make dramatic changes to the way society works. Um, I think the most important uh, approach to all of this it's first and foremost just to recognize that we actually do have an income inequality challenge uh, that has been getting worse over the last 70 years. We have a dramatic wealth uh, inequality challenge as well. Um, you know, I've seen statistics that show uh, that the average uh, white family is somewhere between six to ten times uh, wealthier than the average African-American family. Uh, we know that uh, median income for African-Americans is roughly 60 percent that of our, of our white colleagues. And so the first step is just to you know, look at the data. Uh, the second step, I think, is to think about what are the policy uh, ramifications and what policy steps you know, can be taken. Um, I, I noted uh, positively that the most recent stimulus bill from the Biden administration, based on the reading I saw, looks as though it can have a major impact on reducing child poverty in, in America. Um, so there obviously are policy solutions that will make people feel more included. And then finally, as I said, you know, businesses, you know, stepping up on these topics as well, uh, making sure that they are, you know, doing the best they can to hire uh, broadly diverse portfolios of individuals uh, and, and uh, making sure that people have a chance to rise appropriately in their organizations. So I think there's an opportunity based basically on analyzing the facts, making policy changes in the public sector, and then having the business sector also play its role uh, as a producer of jobs and, and as a producer of wealth. Roger, in the final few minutes that we have left, you know, I'm sure as you retire from your role at TIAA at the end of the month, there will be many people seeking your advice on diversity, equity, inclusion at their companies and many other topics. And all this you're supposed to do in your free time, perhaps. But I know that you also <laughs> likely have other plans. And I want to ask you what those are. What are your next steps? What are your next plans? And 
could they include being part of President Biden's administration? <laughs> uh, well, I, certainly I'm retiring from this job, but you're right to say I'm not retiring from the workplace. I intend to be you know, very active. Uh, I will stay involved in questions of corporate governance, including diversity in the boardroom uh, by being on various boards. Uh, I want to get involved uh, in issues of financial inclusion uh, through mainly fintech activity, leveraging technology and financial elements. Um, and vis-a-vis uh, you know, government, government roles, I would say it's really you know, up to the Biden administration uh, to see how they, if at all, I think they might use me either uh, as a, an advisor or, or otherwise. But I'm at this stage very, very focused in on finishing up my role here at TIAA uh, and then you know, opening up the next chapter. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to continue to be relevant and involved in all the conversations, similar to the ones that we just had. That was Roger Ferguson, president and CEO of TIAA. We spoke at CNBC's Inclusion in Action Forum on March 18, 2021. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information on upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, please visit cnbcevents.com. I'm Sharon Epperson. Thanks for listening. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.